0: Hi and welcome to another episode of Tales from the Trail. We recorded this live at Discovery ID camp on the campus of Christopher Newport University. This boys camp was attended by over 100 student athletes and coaches from six different colleges. We took the opportunity to do a question and answer session with the participants and coaches from each of the schools. Fielding questions from the audience was Chris Norris of William Mary, Justin Cheese Chesham of Christopher Newport University, Tommy DiNuzzo of Hampton-Sydney College, Taye Lesko of UNC-Wilmington, John Freeman of Washington and Lee, and Jason Kilby of the University of Mary Washington. There is a ton of great information in this episode, and a couple questions are answered that I received previously from listeners. Please continue to share the podcast, subscribe, and as importantly, send me your questions and comments through matchplayrecruit.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. guys know all these guys. I'm Scott Cooper. I started this company called Match Play, and we have a podcast um, because I was sitting where some of your parents are. My son was sitting where you guys are a few years ago, Um, and it's a pretty daunting process, right, to try to figure out where you want to go to school, what's a good fit, all that stuff, right? Everybody agree with that? Um, So that's why I have it, and I hope that you guys take advantage of having... What is it? Six coaches in front of you to ask questions um, and don't go home and regret not asking something, okay? Um, I was a teenage kid at one point too, so I know what it's like to be in a room full of guys and not wanna ask a question. So step up, ask questions. Um, I'll ask the first one, how about that? So, real quick. cheese. since you're on the end. What kind of communication, since I know you love this questions, mm-hmm. what kind of communication should people, players expect from you guys post ID camp? Sure.
1: Uh, one thing that we talk about from the get-go is right when you guys are finished with camp, everybody wants to come and talk to us right after camp and ask us for answers, ask us for evals. And the reality is we're not going to do that. There's a hundred of you guys here today and, that would be an impossible task. Uh, the reality is I'm gonna sit down with my staff and we're gonna talk about each and every one of you and go through, the, go through that process. And we will reach out to a lot of the guys that we're excited about that had a really good day. Um, so that'll be kind of our route of how we go. Uh, if you guys want specific info, then this is where you're reaching out afterwards needs to come by. So camp ends, hey coach, thank you, appreciate it. Getting the car go home. And uh, give it a few days, give it a week. And if you haven't heard from us, now's the time. Now's the time to shoot us an email, ask us our thoughts, ask us what's next in the process for you specifically. Uh, If you have any precise questions, that's usually the the best time to go ahead and move forward with that. Uh, You might get different answers,
0: but I'm assuming it's along the same lines. All right, anybody have a question out there? Um, So another question I got from a parent was... For a class of 2025 boys, so rising juniors, right? How much back-and-forth communication should they expect over the summer, meaning right now, and into the fall from D1 and then D3 coaches? So D1. uh, Norris?
2: I mean, look, it's a really broad question. It depends entirely on what – if the coach has been able to see – you as an individual, if they have a genuine interest, um, for us, for example, when June 15th hit and we were first allowed to contact 2025s, we had a list of probably, you know, close to 40 student athletes that we had seen in various environments over the past couple years and thought might be a good fit for us. We reached out to, um, I think all of those, those prospects between myself and, Kyle Simzak, my my top assistant, and you know we've had follow up with some of those individuals. In some cases, we haven't had follow up, and and you know our schedules are are fairly busy in the summer. And um, so that whether you had follow up or not, that's not necessarily a direct reflection of our level of interest. It may just be that with some individuals, we had reasons to have touch points to have follow ups. We we saw them play in a playoff situation whether that was Semelos Next or ECNL or some other environment. Um, Kyle's done some some other camps outside of our camp and so he may have seen a player there and had had reason to have follow-up with those guys. Um, if you are a rising junior and you haven't been contacted by a Division I coach, it's not the end of the world and it doesn't mean that your options are are limited to universities that are outside of Division One. it may just be that coaches haven't really had the opportunity to see you in the right situation. Um, or they want to, they have seen you, but they want to see more of you before they start to engage in, in relationship building, which is kind of what we're discussing here. So, you know, it's one thing to, to have a contact with a coach. It's, it's a whole different level. If you start to engage in a, in a, at least semi-regular conversation, whether that's by text or over zoom on, multiple occasions, or even by email. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, still early for division one men's programs in the 2025 cycle, very early for that matter. So, you know, don't, don't get too discouraged if you haven't had a lot of contact with division one coaches at this point. Um, but also don't just sit back and and wait and hope that someone's going to reach out to you make sure that you're being aggressive and, and being, um, you know, the kind of the master of your own destiny in terms of doing your research and reaching out to people that you think might be uh, running programs that are good fits for you.
0: Coach Kilby, what about from a D3 perspective?
3: Yeah, right now we take notes on the 25 class and kind of store them away because we're really focused on the 24s. Um, We're still in that process of evaluation and a lot of times, the players we're looking for are what I call tweeners—guys who are could possibly play the Division One level. Uh, that again are in that period of time where they're trying to maybe find a Division One school, but maybe we might be a good fit for them also. And and so that process for us is now on, on through fall into the winter months, and um, yeah, then then once we secure that class and and right now for us in particular, we have six potential fifth year seniors that are not sure exactly what they want to do so we're loyal to them and we want to wait and see how that works out too so that we'll have a lot of uh, potential impact on the 24 class what we what our needs are for 24 and and obviously 25 class so it's a very interesting time for us in those regards
0: you guys have anything to
3: add I would say it's, it's very, I think it's very hard to, you know,
4: having coached Division One, Two, and Three as a head and as an assistant in all three, it's very school to school, and it, it depends on the timeline that that recruiting cycle is for each school. You know, there's some Division One teams that I know you know might already be picking their 25 class. I know on the women's side it is. Uh, you know, for the majority of us it's not. But having an honest and open conversation, I think what Coach Norris said, be the master of your dialogues and make sure that you're reaching out and being proactive in your own recruitment, you're gonna find out what those timelines are for those specific schools. So you can sort of tailor it to what
5: their needs are at the same time. Yeah, we're still definitely just focused on 24s, building our database for 25s a little bit. And I do like we're not proactively going to find 25s right now because we're focused on 24s. But in settings like this, th- this is where we can you know, add kids to the list or continue communications with, with guys that reached out to us before camps like this. So I think these are good settings for us to start to like, add 25s to our database um, and then watch them more seriously a couple months down the road and definitely in the spring more we more focused on that group of players.
0: Any questions yet? Parents too. Parents too, yeah. Parents too. Right on. Any particular
3: type of tape you like to see specifically on the defensive side?
4: I'll say this from my standpoint. Seeing highlights from the defensive side, you know, they're 1v1 ability. I think the one thing that's very challenging for me, though, is when you win a ball and then the cut, you cut the clip and we don't see what the end product of you winning the ball was. If you completed your pass, It's also nice to see some, I think, bigger picture highlights, not just so zoomed in that you don't see a bigger shot of the field. I think when you're showing defensive highlights, knowing how you're doing that in relation to a back line and the guys in front of you is important positionally. Um, But I think uh, making sure your clips aren't so short that we're not seeing how it developed and what your end product was if you did
1: yeah can I tell um, I heard a coach say this in one of these settings and it was perfect. He said make sure you put your best stuff in there right away. I mean at the end of the day if you sent us a five minute clip and there's a hundred of you guys that sent us that clip I mean that's a that's a long day of watching film. And I don't want to watch the whole thing. Why why am I gonna watch the rest of your film? So if you've got an awesome play it's easy if you're a forward you score some cracker or something, put that in right away. Don't say that to the end. I may not get there. So if you're a defender, it's like, you know, Coach Freeman was talking about great stuff, some good plays right away. That's going to keep me involved in your film throughout the whole part.
0: Um, how important is it for you guys to see, like, everyone's going to send you their highlights, but what about how you react to some, maybe, some adversity? Um, do you guys want to see that, or is it just the highlights? You want to see big tackles, big goals, you know, big balls across, diagonal balls across the field. I mean, Tommy, me, how important is it for you to see how they react to adversity?
5: Yes, I mean, that's why like highlights are great but doesn't paint the full picture. So that's why we're going out and watching a ton of games to see that other side of things. That's why we're talking to your coaches. Um, and that's why it's good to send the games as well. Once you, know, you kind of get your foot in the door with the coach, I'm not watching a full game of someone I've never heard of before probably, but someone that I know that we're already interested in, I'll definitely put time into that and watch. Um, and yeah, again, we, we talked about this the other day, I think that that's the defining characteristic for a lot of you guys and how successful you're gonna be at whatever level you play at in college, uh, how you deal with those difficult moments or any adversity that you come across. So yeah, we always wanna see situations where you have to deal with some of that. I mean. Even like today, like I'm watching stuff this morning, or sorry, earlier this afternoon, um, and then one of my teams, two guys, were going at each other a little bit. And uh, yeah, I was paying attention to that. I, I, I wanna see how, that, how they're dealing with that, what happens next, etc. cetera. So um, yeah, I think that stuff's really, really important. It doesn't always come out in highlight videos, but there's plenty of other ways for us to, to see more and get that type of information. I don't think I would include adversity in the highlight tape either.
6: Yeah, you want wait. to see the highlights so you baby and become see the real thing. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> highlights then in person. Anybody else? Let's get more questions.
7: Yeah, go ahead. So, for like you guys, I and mean obviously you're going to communicate and have questions with your staff as you guys are evaluating the kids. Like, what about, like, is there some kind of collective between you guys, you six, saying, hey, you know, this kid may not be a great fit for me and my program, but he did this, this, or this well. Is there some level of communication that goes on between the six of you in regards to what you may have seen or, you know, during the course of the camp? I
4: think that goes on a bigger scale than you realize across the board with college coaches. Right. Um, I know that we'll probably talk to each other about players that are in this room, and there'll be some banter that goes back and forth. That's yeah, a good fit, maybe not a good fit for us. That happens a lot and I know it happens not just from this camp setting. We might, geez, and I might see the same player, uh, or be recruiting the same player that I've gotten a better look at, but I know he doesn't meet our academic qualifications, I can say, hey, geez, this guy's pretty good, you're gonna to wanna to get a good look at him. That type of conversation happens a lot more than you guys realize. So, we, I can definitely say we will probably be chatting amongst ourselves and having that type of conversation but recognize it's not just at a camp, it's gonna be when you're out at your showcases, when you're out being watched by anybody. That information's gonna come back and circle through all this. Because we want good people at the same time. So if we see you doing good, more than likely it's gonna be told to other people, hey, yeah, you had a good game. But if we see you doing bad, that will come back as well. So be aware, your behavior means something.
2: Yeah, it's it's a tricky dynamic because we you know we're all competing for some of the same players, um, but yeah, I mean, what John said is absolutely true about um, you know we we are all very close. We're friends outside of you know competing, and so we we know each other. We share information, and that exists in our entire coaching network. So um, someone is always watching, and it's likely that. If you're playing in any kind of event where there are coaches there, that information about you is is going to get out. Um, on the flip side of that, like Cheese will sometimes, you know, we'll be talking about a player and he'll, I'll say, yeah, I really <laughs> like that guy. And then he'll say, well, I just saw him spin on somebody. Yeah, He's joking, of course. <laughs> we, we have that kind of relationship, but he's trying to. Tell me that be he hopes that I don't recruit him.
1: <laughs> But it is true, though, about the adversity question earlier. There have been times we've called each other. You know, I know the two of us. I'm like, hey, I know you're in on this kid pretty far. And I just saw him make a complete mess of himself in front of a lot of coaches. I mean, I've had that conversation to tie the last two together. So we are tight and close, and we all will have some certain conversations. Obviously, we'll keep certain things close to the vest if I'm trying to pull a kid and land him. But yeah, there's definitely plenty of dialogue between us, all things recruiting. These guys have all been in the coaching network and
6: game longer than I have, but that's one of the things that has surprised me the most is how quickly you can get information on anyone you want information on by making one phone call or two phone calls, so just to, to echo everything,
7: you know. It's a small sandbox. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, if,
2: if, if anyone out there is thinking that pitting Schools or coaches against each other in recruiting battles is a good strategy. They're probably putting themselves in a bad position. We well, usually what happens in that case is that those coaches have a conversation and they both decide that it's probably not the kind of people that they want in their program. What do you like to see on
5: videos for the goals Do you like certain angles? Do you like behind the net? Do you like bird's eye? Is there any kind of certain things you like for bullies?
1: Yeah, have a camera behind the goal to the side. Get your drone, <laughs> keep it really close. Uh, about specific? Attach a GoPro to the ball. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's a tough one. Specific game. I mean, I'll, I will tell you this about goalkeeping: your film is critical. Because I'll go watch a kid play, and I mean, I'm recruiting a kid that is on a really, really good soccer team, and I'm like, well, they're winning five nothing again. The kid's just—he looks great back there, standing in goal, picking up the ball for a goal kick or something. So. You know, your film is critical. These types of events are critical uh, where you're going to be working out with the coach in these small-sided. I mean, how many shots did the goalies get, you know, on the small-sided games? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're in a lot of situations where we can see exactly who you are. I mean, that's critical for the goalkeeper specifically. Uh, I've seen also your film where it's training session is actually pretty good, too, for us. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a little bit better than, you know, like a wall pass shooting session by a forward, but... Uh, senior your foot, footwork, you know, putting you in different situations, seeing how quickly you can react. I mean, a lot of that's critical stuff as well. So for goalkeepers specifically, give us all kinds of good stuff. I mean, that's it's hard to watch you guys. It is. Right? I can go see eight games and get maybe 20 minutes of action out of you. It's tough to evaluate. Go ahead. Um, so
0: let's
1: say, like, Mary Washington, like, you guys are graduating, like, 11 seniors with, like,
5: three, like, post-grads, right? Does that mean...
3: For the class coming in, we're gonna take eleven new guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Um probably somewhere around that, yeah, are graduating those players and we're looking for specific positions to fill based on those guys leaving. Uh, yeah, I would I would say yes, very close to that. And is this the last year for COVID
2: years? No. Well, this this, this rising class here. Are the last group that has the ability to take a COVID year? Yeah,
1: twenty-four kids could be in their fifth year in twenty-four. Mm-hmm. So next next fall, there will be fifth years in that class. And that's a that's a good example of a question. That's a per school question, right? I mean, you could have someone that's trying to make the roster bigger, trying to make the roster smaller, you know, you, you just never know. So that's a great question per school. So this is something we've talked on the podcast a hundred times. Do your homework on the school. So you just had a great example. You clearly looked at as an example. Mary Washington has 11 kids leaving. He's probably going to bring in a lot of kids. Say, hey, Coach Kilby, I know you're you're losing 11. How many are you bringing in? And are you focusing on one level, one area? And uh, but that would be a per school. Cool.
0: Yeah, that's a good example of doing your homework. That was uh, like Cheese just said that. It's really the way you need to communicate with coaches. Um, <clears throat> More questions? Yeah. Um, I like the D1 versus
2: most kids get recruited from? Like, is it a lot from these camps or very few? Or how does that work? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that first if you're okay. Okay. Um, I think most schools are going to tell you, if, if they're doing a good job, that they try to leave no stone unturned in recruiting. So they're, they're going to look wherever they think they can find a good player. Now, there are certain areas that maybe teams or coaches have had success in the past and they may look specifically at those areas first or most and that may be specific clubs it could be specific leagues um, but these camps are are vital as well and you know there's a reason that that we've set this up the way that we have because we think it attracts a really high level of player we bring in you know schools that we know run really good programs and have good academic situations as well and you know this ultimately is a A different sort of piece of the puzzle in recruiting for us so for every prospective student athlete that we think might be a fit for us we do all kinds of work to put together a puzzle and each little piece of information that we get adds to that at the end of the day if it adds up to us thinking that it's a good fit you know we try to pursue that and and convince that individual or at least give them the opportunity to determine if it's a good fit for them as well and then ultimately we get guys so to kind of give you a, a little bit of a historical thing, we're bringing in 11 players in, in the fall. 11 new guys will be arriving next week. And of those guys, we have three graduate transfers um, and eight freshmen. Of the eight freshmen that are coming in, three of those players are guys that that I would say very specifically we either recruited because they were at our camp or – we got a great first impression of them at camp. So in the case of two of the guys, there's a very good chance that we would not have recruited them because they live further away, were much harder for us to see on a regular basis had they not come to camp. Um, Because of the performance at camp, we were able to kind of drill down a little bit further, do homework and decide that we thought they'd be good fits for us. In the case of the other guy who I said made a good impression, he came the summer before his junior year a Virginia guy who we probably would have seen quite a bit anyway because he's playing in a club team that we would have seen regularly or we did see regularly. Um, But he made such a strong impression on us at that camp heading into his junior year that it sort of accelerated our interest and the process for him. And we were able to decide pretty early on in in that cycle that it would be a good mutual fit. So it it kind of accelerated the fact that we – had significant conversations. We got him on campus pretty early and he was out doing his homework, looking at other places and ultimately decided pretty early on that it was a good fit. So, you know, there are, we look everywhere basically and camps are, these camps are a great possibility for us. In in this case, I would say, like I said, three out of our eight incoming freshmen were guys that we found at camp.
0: You guys have anything else to add to that?
1: Look, we all have a, a, our own niche, right? I mean, you got four state schools, two private schools. Uh, you know, we're all going to be recruiting somewhat differently. I mean, these guys have scholarships to work with, and they're going to you know, be looking at kids from out-of-state possibly a little bit more than we might be. In-state kids at CNU are getting in significantly cheaper than out-of-state out kids. So you look at my roster, you're going to see a lot of Virginia kids, and the same is going to hold true for, for Kilby down there at the end. And these two guys in the middle with the private school, they're going to have significantly different – routes that they can go to find kids easily. I mean, John has to scour the entire country. I mean, the, the to get into his school, I mean, it's tough. And also, uh, you know, you, you're part of your homework, again, is to see which one of these actually makes perfect sense for me off the field. You know, can I get in there, first of all? Can I afford to go to school there? If I can't, you need to make the phone call because I'm going to throw south. I'm not trying to help John here as a big competitor of mine, but what's your sticker price? Uh, sticker
4: price is probably
1: you barely know it because 70, it, it was right. fluctuates every, you know, depending on how you calculate it, but it's,
4: it's pushing 70 grand. But how much are kids on average probably paying? Uh, the school
1: meets 100% a aid. See, but if you only did a Google search on their sticker price, you mm-hmm. probably might just move on and you missed out on an awesome place. You know, so just adding into doing your homework and this environment, the coaching environment, to be able to coach you is critical. I mean, who asked the question specifically? I mean, it's... To be able to coach you and be with you, Hags has got our group, and Travis is coaching our goalies. I mean, they're going to give me so much info that I wouldn't necessarily get just from watching you one time in a game. You know, being able to interact with you is huge. There's only, I mean, what other way can I do it? If you go to maybe a, a club camp, I might get a couple of you or something, but I'd have to go to all your clubs to do that. You know, so it's, this is a perfect environment to see you exactly how we're going to see you when you're putting on our uniform to play with us. So we put a ton of value into the, the ID teams.
4: I'm just going to add this. I mean, in this day and age where we've got so many different leagues across the country, you've got MLS Next, you have ECNL, ECNL National League, ECNL Regional League. You've got uh, National League Pro, E64. You have NPL, EDP. These are all leagues that have good players in them. It's become, our job has become much more difficult to get out to all those venues, all those showcases, and see everybody. And we have to be very selective in how we do it to make sure we're casting the widest net. But I will say I think camps have become more valuable. So if you're getting legitimate interest from a school and you're legitimately interested in them, I think going to a camp is the perfect way to, one, not just show you what you can do on the field, but have a little bit of interaction. I mean, I don't know how many conversations I had with players on my team today. I don't get to do that when I go out and watch a showcase. And that's a beautiful thing to be able to do at a camp. Um, and my two cents, I think it's definitely, it's the stock has risen in ID camps, um, since the last four or five years.
6: Uh, What's the difference between like an uh, assistant coach like pursuing you versus a head coach? Like even if you've talked to both, but like you only have like an assistant coach like
4: calling and texting you, like what's, what does that mean? I think... I think what you're looking at is a question that you have to ask the um, program itself. Um, if a coach is telling you you're interested, that's saying that they are interested in you. That doesn't mean that you have a spot. Um, if you go and you make a visit, I think what you have to be able to, and I, we tell all of our recruits, no matter where they go, and to us, ask the hard questions. What's my, if, are you offering me a spot, yes or no? What do I need to do to be offered a spot? Um, if I am being offered a spot, what's my role on the team? Because um, do you want a spot or do you want a role? There's a difference in that. So what you're describing is communication. And whether it's coming from the head coach or the assistant coach, you've got to clarify what that, that communication means. Because I'll say this, there's a lot of coach speak out there. And sometimes it gets garbled up and it means different things to different coaches. Just, It's okay to ask questions. Um, I think any coach that's worth their salt will appreciate you asking clarifying questions because I know I don't want to lead somebody down a path that's not going to bear fruit. Um, and I know these guys next to me don't want to do the same thing. But uh, I will say this. When you're talking to a head coach and he says, I want you, that's usually it. Good thing. I might want you, but if I don't get permission from the head coach to say we want you, then it's different. But clarify what they're asking and telling you.
7: So so you're saying if we go on these like official visits and when we visit the coach, like it's you think it's okay to ask,
5: are you gonna offer me? Like right then and there. I I would say
4: I wouldn't phrase it that way. I'd Please. say
2: are you, are you?
4: Am I? Am I somebody that you're p- in potential looking to have an offer made to me? If not, what do I need to do? If this is a yeah. place that you want
5: to be? Yeah, I just want to like come off rude and feel like, like I go okay. like they invite me to visit. And Practice.
4: Use, use the guy next to you. He can act like the coach and speak. I'm serious. This is a skill that I think, to be quite honest, it's kind of since I don't know COVID or whatever social media. I don't want to go old school but being able to have a professional conversation without you know expressing yourself in the emotions that you have and the way that you're having them if they're not antagonistic being able to express that in a way in the phrase of a question if you do that well then there's not going to be animosity um and i don't think there's anything wrong with asking a question to get clarity on your situation one of the most important decisions that you're going to make
5: i, I want to add like i think an appropriate way to ask that, and like first of all, like we try to not let it get to that point when we meet with kids. Like we say, like this is where we're at with you. Like we're, we want to offer you a spot right now, um, and we explain what that means. Or some others, like we will say, like look, we've gotten to see you a couple times now. Here are the next steps for us, and uh, if we want to get you back here and do this. We want to see you play a couple more times. So typically, we will lay that out for you, but not everyone operates like that. So I think a good way to ask is say, like, what is your timeline for 2024? Um, have you, you know, do you have spots out right now? And, and then ask for yourself. Say, well, what, what do you see the timeline for me being or Like, what are the next steps here if I really want to come to, you know, Washington? Um, so I think you can ask directly like that. That's completely fine. Um, and coaches, you know, might not always have a very, very direct answer for you because there could be a lot of moving parts. Um, or it could be earlier in the process. But I think, yeah, you need to be asking questions like that. And Hopefully, these coaches are giving you direct information like that. Um, and if they're not, I think that's a problem um,
2: in, in your process. Yeah, I, I will say to both of you, if you're getting regular contact, whether it's a head coach or an assistant coach, or if you've been invited on a visit, those are both signs of serious interest. I mean, we, just, we don't invite people on visits unless we're genuinely interested. Um, and the same thing about communication. I mean, you know, there are a lot of players out there, and we, at the most, we've got four coaches to do the work. Most of us don't have that many. We're not necessarily fully staffed. And so if we're spending the time to communicate with you regularly or to invite you on a visit, it means that there's a genuine interest there. I wouldn't get too caught up in who you're speaking to. Sometimes like that communication piece, it may just be how we've divided the labor and it may just be based on who saw you first. It could be as simple as
3: that.
6: In my experience as an assistant, it's been very different in the two programs I've been at, whereas in one circumstance, it was the head coach kind of wanted to be the one to to be the main point of contact. And the other one, the initial contact came from one of the assistants and then once things began to get serious it kind of moved in more into the head coach's hands but I think it differs across the board and I think what like Chris said if if the head coach sees you in the event he's probably going to be the one to reach out whereas vice versa if the assistant is you know. and it, it just depends on the relationship between the head coach and the assistant and how the head coach chooses to to handle you know the way they go about recruiting players and the interest they have in them and like you said, how many staff members you, you have to divvy up the work,
7: so. Uh, if you are talking to an assistant coach, should you contact the head coach too, or um, are you just like, stay in contact with the assistant coach?
5: Like in an email, or in a? Yeah, like if you're talking to like, the assistant
7: coach more like than the head coach, do you still try to contact the head coach?
0: You would um, um, uh,
5: so,
4: uh, CC him.
3: Just put so we know.
4: I've had many emails sent to me that our head coach has CC'd on, and I think that's fine. Keeps everybody in the loop. Yeah? So kind of speaking on visits for like 2024 specifically,
6: the next big step after I camp, would it be a visit or would it be communication with the IB camp? The initial communication, and then hopefully yeah, that communication
2: then, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it depends where you are in the process, too, with that school. You've had you know, a lot of communication already, and this was just just an opportunity to kind of touch base on where you are in your development, then the next step might be a visit. But uh, if you haven't had that much contact yet, and the camp generates interest in you from a particular coaching staff, um, then certainly those conversations will start to happen. Usually for us, if we haven't already gotten down this road, it would be like having a conversation about what your interests are, what schools you're looking at, and then try to gather your academic information to make sure that all of that lines up. If we if we make all those things meet up, then it may be time for a visit. What's that? So timeline
7: for 24s. Like I imagine each one of you have like your own timeline, right? But So but if we are going to generalize like D1 versus D3, right? Like high school in Mid-Atlantic starts in a week, two weeks, right? So you guys are going to be busy. Kids are going to be playing. Kids are going to come out of it, they're going to hit the club, right? And at that point, if you're not committed, if you're 24, going into the winter, like, at what point, like, I have a friend who just signed a D1 commitment, like, two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. right? He's, like, going in, like, he's a 23, right? So, at what point, like, I don't know, like, in the the winter, in the spring, like, are you trying to get the guys to be patient? But like, I talk, I've been but around the
4: block a lot, <laughs> in a lot of different divisions. I will say that it's very much school to school. And the timeline for each program could be very different. I know for us, if we don't have our, our class finished by December, we're up the creek without a about, Because we have very low success at yielding in regular decisions. We have to get everybody to
1: do early
4: right. decisions. So for us, it's kind of, if, if we still have a spot out there through regular decision, it's kind of rolling the dice. This past year, we've yielded nobody from regular decision. Guys that we wanted, that we supported, did not get into the school. That's the challenge for us. So I think, depending on every school, their reasons for their cycle and how, when they get commitments, will be different. Sometimes it's a competition thing because you might be, Top five program in Division One, it's getting the best U17 national team players coming to your school, or whatever. That's a different reason to drive it. For us, it's academic reasons and
1: application deadlines, basically in the early sixties. You kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, when are we in our season? August fifteenth and November fifteenth. We're pretty busy. You know, the chance of hopping on a plane and going somewhere and watching a tournament—that's not going to happen. You know, really the big events kick off in mid to late November into December, and that's when we can finally get to see you guys again. It's kind of the point of the timing of this camp. I mean, two weeks. These guys start in a week. You know, we're, we're all after here very soon. So, you know, it's kudos to you guys for being here and knowing that the timeline is critical. Uh, but the timeline specifically will be per program. Uh, that's another one. I mean, it's just there are Division One kids that have already committed. I mean, I've, I've committed kids – in their junior year to a
7: division three school
1: i've committed two or three you know so it happens i've also brought a kid in on august 15th we're in our NCAA meetings and he gives me a call and says he's on his road on the road and he's bringing his deposit and he was one of our best players so uh, yeah, i happily took him so the recruiting cycle never truly ends you know some of us have roster limits but man, that kid i don't care what my roster size was i was going to take him you know so uh yeah that's a per program question what's your timeline and it's critical you should ask that because you may be talking to a program that's in their mind done and already moved on to the next class, and you don't want to be spinning your wheels.
4: Okay. Once you'll <laughs> start this season, is there any
5: points in sending out any emails? is that any use for it?
2: Absolutely. Um, you've probably heard the phrase out of sight, out of mind. You know, we get not singularly focused on the fall, but. You know, when we're playing two games a week and the results matter pretty significantly, recruiting sometimes can take a little bit of a backseat. It is the lifeblood of all of our programs, so it, it never goes away entirely. But, you know, keeping yourself, especially if you're not in a situation where you're close to a school and they might be able to come and see you on a weekend when you're playing an ECNL game, um, then, you know, sending highlights, for example, throughout the fall is a good way for you to continue to stay in someone's thinking,
5: potentially. I I just want to add, too, like, I think, yeah, I think that's important, and I think what we do in the fall, like, 100%, like, our season is our most, is gonna be our focus, because it's so important. It's how your program is judged based on how you do, but we still get to a ton of stuff, like, in season. Um, I mean, you know, we'll go to training sessions, we'll go to games, whatever it might be, so, like, we still get to a lot of stuff, and if you guys are letting us know about what you're doing, um, we can find time to do it, particularly if we have multiple people and staff. So I think it's important to understand that that is still happening during that time, because, um, like, like you just mentioned, like some guys are in high school season, that type of thing. So time flies. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, again, but the like coach said it like recruiting is the lifeblood of our program. So we have to make sure to still do these things. So yeah, I think keep your communications going. Um, it's kind of case by case how it's handled.
0: Back. Okay. Um regarding the twenty twenty
5: four class and across all uh,
0: divisions of,
4: of play, how actively are you recruiting
3: ID camps in January, February? Because you know early acceptance, some colleges, and then you know, regular acceptance and applying and where you want to go to school and like, trying to balance soccer. How actively are you recruiting January February?
4: Goodness. It goes back to I think the individual schools and what they're I can tell you that as the school I was at in Ohio, it was Division Two, II, it was January, February, we were still trying to get three-quarters of our roster completed at that time. I know where I am now. We might be looking for one. Um, but if they haven't applied, it doesn't matter. So going out and finding somebody new that's not already applied, if they've missed the application deadline, we can't say, hey, we really like this guy. Can he apply now? They'll say no.
3: So it's different for every school, I would say.
2: Yeah, I think what's most important is if you're considering, if you haven't made a decision um, and you're considering going to like a winter ID camp, it, it's completely fair to ask the question, are you still recruiting for my position? Yes. Have you seen me enough to know where I might fit in the picture? Is it worth me coming to your ID camp? Um, you know, most of the time, like I said, we, we're trying to, we're trying to turn over every stone and so and we're also pretty flexible as far as knowing that development is not a a steady state that it happens at different rates for different people and you may have seen a guy a year ago but he looks very different on video now and so you know there's there's a lot of factors that go into it but i think if you're going to be willing to travel spend money on an id camp it's completely fair to ask if it makes sense for you to attend based on where a school is in their recruiting and if they know enough about you to see where you fit in, into that picture.
7: Okay, go ahead. Yeah, we focus a lot on
2: side of the recruiting, but how about the academics and other
4: interests the kids have? I can speak from my school's standpoint. If we're recruiting somebody, we have to do what's called an early read, um, and we will get your transcript. We'll know what you do academically, submit a uh, resume, It's a full resume. It's not a soccer resume. And um, your senior year courses and other stuff that's, you know, important for the application process. And we send that all to admissions and then they communicate back to us as to whether or not we can recruit, continue recruiting this person. Um, You know, the updates that we get if we like somebody and say, we've already got three commitments this summer. So with those guys, it's basically continue doing the same work that you've been doing. If you don't, continue doing that, there's a good chance they'll not let you in. Um, but uh, I don't think we need a constant update of like report cards or something like that. But having a resume is always nice on the player. I know A little bit more about them as people.
1: I mean, part of what you're talking about is the full college experience. I mean, we're soccer coaches. We're paid to win and that's great. And we're going to do the best we can to make you guys great young men when you leave here. Uh, But everybody here has a bunch of different interests. I mean, we're always uh, talking about our travel abroad programs. There's a lot of different clubs on campus, fraternity life. Every campus has so much more than just their soccer team in the classroom. And your job is to, well, first of all, what do you love? What's important to you? And find out what, what they can offer at that place. All of us have maybe something different for something that's a great hobby of yours. And so what you're asking is awesome for the full experience, which I wish everybody here would put more focus into that and not just like, all right, I got offer, off am taking it and moving on. And if you're only choosing the school for what we've been talking about, the soccer stuff and not for the points that you're making, I know we're all pretty good students here and we're trying to get a good education, but if it's just school and soccer, I think you're missing out on a pretty cool four years. There's a, a lot that every school can offer you through different programs that they set up or just something in the community. And uh, so that's part of your homework. You follow up the school, it's making sense to you academically, you're getting some interest in the soccer side. It's like, well, what else am I going to pull out of my four years while I'm at this place? And I think it's a great thing to discuss. I think it comes like
6: we talked about relationship building. Once you get past that initial, you know, conversation or interaction with the coach, you start building that relationship over the phone. Hopefully, you know, if, you, if you're lucky enough to go on a visit, but that's kind of when you get, you know, we get to learn about you, and and you know, every time you get off the phone with the kid, you're like, oh man, that that went well. That was awkward you know this, this this kid is you know seems like he fit with our guys, so I think that's kind of what you're trying to get at is is you know what are the other bits of the process that aren't just the soccer and the obviously grades are important, but you're not you're not going to know as a coach or as a player if the fit's going to be good until you go through that you know the process of having the conversations and you know being willing to get on the phone and show up on campus at camps like this. so I think you know there's no way to do it, obviously research is a big part but to, to build the relationship with the coach and you know gain as much knowledge as you can to see if it's a fit, I think that's kind of what goes into making sure the experience itself is gonna be you know one that's conducive for, for you as a person out there. I'll
1: do the last question. <laughs> All, right. All right. I guess we'll I uh, how many of you guys have had a discussion with your families on how you're going to pay for college? One, two, got a few hands. Some hands, When do you think you should ask that question? Yeah, car ride home, maybe, you know. It's a pretty important question, right? You know, at the end of the day, you just need to know. Maybe mom's like, oh, you should see the treasure chest we got downstairs. You're good to go. Or or maybe mom's like, what are you talking about? You get your own grants, get your own loans. You got to figure it out on your own. You know, so you need to know that today and not after you've committed to a school and they go, all right, where's your down payment? Where's your deposit? And you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I didn't think about this. So I say that kind of joking around, but I can't tell you how many kids uh, don't know the answer, and it's May or June of their senior year, and now it's way too late. One piece of information that's very important to know,
4: there's over 100 million scholarship dollars every year that do not get used because people don't apply for certain scholarships. Research your local scholarships, your county scholarships, your state scholarships. You will be surprised at how much money is out there. And it might be where your parents work. Do the research. You know, six hours of your time filling out an, a- an application gives you maybe $15,000 over four years or $20,000 over four years. Time well spent, my
0: brother. Can I do one more? Sure. Sure, we got to roll. Tommy and I talked about this one before. Uh, This is a question I got from a parent online. Um, How do college coaches feel about or view uh, consultants or recruiting advisors contacting a school on a player's behalf? Tommy?
5: Um, yeah, so I do think sometimes some of these organizations can be helpful for players that, you know, want to go to a school, maybe that's outside of their region, maybe it's across the country, that type of thing can be helpful for international players and all that. Um, When I coached in Maine, it was helpful sometimes having these organizations um, send us information and kids that fit our profile and that kind of thing. Um, but I, I think generally my question for these agents or organizations that are trying to help find kids that are the right fit for Hampton-Sydney, my question for them is how familiar are they with our program? Like when's the last time they've seen us play? Um, when's the last time they've been to our campus? Uh, the answer is usually they haven't been or, or just no um, for all of it. So uh, I, I think it's difficult to recommend kids and help get kids into schools when they're not familiar with the school. The coach, the program, any of it. So those are the types of questions I always ask in those situations. Having said that, I do think it can be a viable option in certain situations. But when you, you know, I'm looking at Josh wearing a VBA shirt, when you live in Northern Virginia and play for a club that gets a ton of exposure, um, I don't think you need to do stuff like that because you have it all in front of you. Um, and, you know, you have the option to come to camps like this and that type of thing. So um, so yeah, I think there's a time and place for it. I would just be um, pretty careful uh, about doing something like that. So I don't know if anyone feels. that. I, I would say I don't mind
4: it at the initial you know, contact, and it might open our eyes to a recruit, but I don't want the conversation to be through that agency or that person. I want it to be through you, the player. So after we've got an interest A, hey, we saw your thing, I don't want to
3: talk to them, I want to talk to you. Just save your money do a personal personalized email specific for each program and um, i think that's the best Sorry. way to do it it doesn't take that much time right just make sure hey i'm interested in christopher newport i know they have a great biology uh, department i have a 3.9 gpa 1300 sat whatever I play for this club all your information's there that's just my opinion a lot of it like he said It comes through. We have, we're inundated with so much information. So we have to figure out exactly who is really interested in us and who is just throwing a net out.
1: Um, That's just my opinion. Yeah, I'll give you a story. Uh, I had a kid a few years ago. I got a letter from one of these agencies and a pretty decent letter, but I looked at the video and I was like, wow, this video is fantastic. called the kid up. And after three minutes of explaining what CNU was and where we were located and what division we are in, because he had no idea who I was or who our school was, and he just basically goes, he goes, Coach, I just – I filled out this thing eight months ago, and they've just been throwing schools at me. I don't pay attention to anybody anymore. So it just seems like a lot of it could just be fluff. A lot of it could be – I mean, I get these emails all the time. It says, Dear Coach, I got a kid for you, and I don't even know who you are. I and mean, what do you mean? It just It just seems – you know, not genuine. I mean, you don't want me to write all 100 of you the same email. You know, it's just not—it's not the same. So, get personalize it. Come after us, Gmail, Yahoo.com, something like that, and have your video attached. And you know, that's—that's where we're going to put the most value, the most stock. Do you like uh, single club games? Like, like if we have a highlight tape and
3: then one, like just from one game—is that good? To have like two, the full game with your highlight. Not—not like, a full a... game, but like highlights from one game. Oh, sure. Yeah, why not? Well, it just depends on that game. You're just, it's like, when we see you score a goal and everyone just kind of walks back like, oh, whatever, right? did I know the, the level? It's not good. Does that make sense? Have you ever seen those? I mean, we yeah. all them. It's like, oh, the score's already 9-0. It's against a, a lower-level team. So, like, I
6: yeah. I scored a hat trick Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Just make sure, again, it's at a good level. We get to see. It's we, very important. We won't recruit you if we don't see you play live in a
4: good competitive environment. If we go see you play a team that you absolutely murder, what's that telling us about you as a player? Not much. We need to see you against comparables. And I think that's very important. So if you're sending a video, highlight video, it's always nice to see it against good competition.
0: Sean's got the last question. All right, we go. Would y'all rather
1: highlight video or like a full game? Both. Highlight first. Highlights first. We all like you. First We're first gonna ask for another full yeah, video. Yeah. Okay, We're a little past six. Uh, big thank you to Scott. Thank you, Scott. And
0: Matt, thank, you. <laughs> thank you again for listening and continuing to support the podcast. The response has been tremendous. As I said earlier, please continue to share and subscribe and send questions and comments through matchplayrecruit.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube.